Welcome to another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot, as she called us to live to a higher standard every day, to not be satisfied with just a little religion as a shallow substitute for giving God our best. As this series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from family, friends, and others who were influenced by Elizabeth's life and message. We're thinking about gratitude today and the humdudgeons among us. What's a humdudgeon? Find out in a little bit. But our first Gateway to Joy program for today is Gateway to Joy 157, Gratitude, Our Attitude and Response. And our guests today, Valerie Elliott Shepherd, Elizabeth's daughter, she'll talk about an affectionate mother. That's what Elizabeth was, not a spoiler. And Margaret Ashmore, a good friend of Elizabeth, talks about what surprised her the most, and even about some slapstick movies. Hear about that later on. First, though, Gateway to Joy 157, Gratitude, Our Attitude and Response. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot talking with you today about gratitude. I think we might divide up all the people in the world into two classes, the complainers and the thankful. Which are you? There's a difference between a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day and a peaceful and a happy one. And I think that it does not depend nearly so much on what happens as it depends on your attitude and your response. If you dwell on your own feelings about things, rather than dwelling on the faithfulness, the love, and the mercy of God, then you're likely to have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Because our feelings are very fluctuating and ephemeral, aren't they? We can't depend on them for five minutes at a time. But dwelling on the faithfulness and the love and the mercy of God is always safe because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I'm one who is having to learn this lesson of gratitude. Not that I don't have thousands of things to be grateful for, but I also happen to be born with an extremely critical mind. And it's very easy for me to pick on the one thing that's wrong rather than to concentrate on the ten things that were right. And that goes for a lot of different areas of my life. And I realize that I don't spend nearly enough time praising God. I try to begin my quiet time with acts of praise. And very often it's helpful to use somebody else's words to do that. I think hymns are a wonderful help, so let me just make that tiny suggestion that you begin your day with thanking the Lord. There are a lot of things you can think of yourself, the very fact that you've had a a good sleep in a comfortable bed and that you're able to get out of bed and the measure of health that you have and the work that you have to do, all of those things you can thank God for. But it's great to uh, use the exalted words perhaps of the Psalms, Psalm 138 would be a good one to start with. I will praise thee, O Lord, with all my heart. Boldly, O God, will I sing psalms to thee. I will bow down towards thy holy temple. For thy love and faithfulness, I will praise thy name. 
for thou hast made thy promise wide as the heavens. Psalm 138. Try that one. It would be a good idea to memorize it. An act of praise to God. There's always plenty to complain about, I guess, if your life is controlled by your feelings. But there's always much more to thank God for if our lives are controlled by our dwelling on His faithfulness, His love, and His mercy. I had a very encouraging letter from a lady who had listened when I interviewed my friend Gail Summers. She says, Gail Summers spoke the truth, as few Christian women have the boldness to do. The wonderful fact is that Gateway to Joy was equally daring to air it. I grow so weary of -of middle-of-the-road stances on this issue. Gail had been talking about working mothers, and Gail herself is a part-time working mother. This lady who writes says, I am 47 years old, a mother who gave up a professional career to stay home. She goes on to say that she doesn't find the care of children easy, as Gail Summers herself admitted. It's a tough job, but she says, nonetheless, having the opportunity to be a homemaker and mother gave me true fulfillment. As I was reminded of this during the week's broadcasts, I was able to go to my husband and thank him for having given me that opportunity and blessing. And let me say here that those of you who are able to stay home to take care of your children because your husband is willing to let you stay home and doesn't insist upon your getting a job to supplement the family income, have you thought of thanking him? This was a good reminder in this letter. This lady went to her husband and thanked him. She goes on to say, There is no explaining the contentment I felt as I mothered though I knew we had to do without some material things, and though I knew there was always the awareness in my husband's mind that some things we could not afford, I had not ever specifically thanked him for enduring the pressures as provider and for keeping the value of his wife being at home. To you men who endure the pressures as provider, may I say thank you, especially those of you who are willing to make sacrifices in order to allow your wives to stay at home. And, of course, the wife has to be willing to make the sacrifices of not having the material things that would be possible with a double income. I go on with the letter. As I shared with him, my gratitude for the intangibles of fulfillment as a woman and contentment as a wife, I could see that he was blessed He was happy with our family style, but yes, he did regret that he couldn't provide for all the things we needed. Telling him as I did, and anchoring it in the thinking I did as I listened to your programs, gave him a broader view of the true provisions he had made for us. Your program blessed me and my husband, and I do thank you. She goes on to say that she had homeschooled for six years. She was glad about my open-mindedness on that subject. She says, for all your labors to produce this program, know that this woman is deeply appreciative. In Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, we read, Let us be full of joy now. 
Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, that is, approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank God, even in the midst of your troubles. Remember who it is that writes this way. It's Paul the Apostle who had been through a good many trials and tribulations that most of us know nothing about. Things like floggings and shipwrecks and imprisonments. But he says, we can be full of joy here and now. We can rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. Some of you are experiencing difficult pressures today, hardships. Can you be grateful for those, not because of the hardship in itself, but because God's promise is that they can produce patient and unswerving endurance? But they're not going to produce that patience and endurance unless you accept them. So, gratitude springs from acceptance of the gifts and the conditions and the circumstances that God gives. Are you grateful for the place that you live? Are you grateful for the job that God has given you to do? How many of you have thought today of thanking God for the work that he has given you to do? Maybe you're ambitious for another job, a different kind of a job or a promotion. Maybe you're ambitious to get a job and you haven't gotten one yet. Can you accept the fact that today, this is the will of God? Wherever you are, whatever you have or don't have, this is the will of God for you today. Now, how do I know that? I don't know you. I don't know your circumstances. But I do know what the Word says, that everything that happens fits into a pattern for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And his purpose in you and me is to make us holy, to shape us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. And it is this particular set of circumstances in which you live, the particular events of today, that give you the opportunity to say, thank you, Lord. I know that you're at work in this, and I know that your purpose for me is thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. Gateway to Joy 157, Gratitude, Our Attitude and Response. Later on, we're going to hear from artist and speaker and friend of Elizabeth, Margaret Ashmore, as she talks about what surprised her the most about Elizabeth. And also, it's time now to hear from Valerie Elliott Shepard, Elizabeth's daughter, as she talks about her mother, who was not a spoiler, but was an affectionate mother. My mother, of course, I remember well, and she died in 2015, and 
I prayed and prayed and prayed for the last 10 years of her life that the Lord would heal her of dementia. God didn't answer that prayer. But my mother's love for me was deep and abiding and wonderful. And what, that's why I said she was practically perfect in every way. Um, I don't feel that I was spoiled. She expected me to work. She expected me to obey. She did not pour out tons of gifts and things upon me, though when she did buy clothing for me or a gift for Christmas or birthday, she was generous and kind. And when she saw me struggling with wanting to make sure I spent enough time with each child alone, reading to them or just talking or praying with them, she would say, Val, when you were little, all I thought I had to do for you was to love you and feed you and put you to bed clean and read out loud to you. Maybe sing, sing hymns. She, read, she sang a lot of hymns to me. And she said, you don't really have to spend extra time individually with each of your children. Of course, she was always overwhelmed that I had three and then four and then five and then six and then seven and then eight. But, uh, and, and you barely do have time to, to do that. But I was thinking of Susanna Wesley, who had 10 children, 17 altogether, but seven died in childhood. Um, but for 10 children, she tried to give at least an hour per week not to all 10, but within the two weeks, she gave an hour individually. So that's what I was trying to do. Anyway, my mother was just smiling at me and saying, just love them, take care of them, teach them to be obedient. And that's your main job. She was very affectionate with me. Hugs and kisses were regular, but with um, the Howard family, they were not. So she had determined she would be more affectionate than they had been. Her, her family was the Howards. Um, but the special bedtime routine is, of course, something I remember so well, reading the Bible to me or telling the stories in her own words and then praying with me and always teaching me that my father had given me the good shepherd, Jesus, and that the good shepherd was leading us wherever we were. That was Valerie Elliott Shepherd talking about Elizabeth there. A little bit later, we'll hear from Margaret Ashmore, a speaker, artist, and uh, also a friend of Elizabeth. She'll talk about what surprised her the most about Elizabeth Elliot. First, though, uh, let's hear about humdudgeons. Do you know what a humdudgeon is? Don't you think there's far too much whining among Christians? We're the ones with the most reason for gratitude. We're also the ones who know whom to thank. There's so much reason for gratitude, so much more reason than there is for whining. And yet, we're petulant, fretful, peevish, irritable, querulous. And maybe our homes are full of humdudgeons. Do you know that word? Well, every time I look up a word in the dictionary, I find myself completely fascinated in reading the page on which that word occurs. And it was in this way that I came across this wonderful word, humdudgeon. Never heard it before, never have heard it used. But I think uh, it's high time we introduced it into our vocabulary. I taught it to my grandchildren and said, we don't want any humdudgeons around here. A humdudgeon is a loud complaint about a trifle. It's spelled H-U-M-D-U-D-G-E-O-N. 
Humdudgeon, a loud complaint about a trifle. Unfortunately, there are a lot of those among most of us Christians. And when we hear our children making loud complaints about trifles, the chances are very good, unsettlingly good, that they are following the example of their parents. Right? A young mother told me that when her son was misbehaving, her husband came to her afterwards as he had watched this incident, and he said, Honey, tell me, is there something in my behavior that is giving this child the clues that he can act like this? Think about that one. Most of the time, our children are doing whatever it is they've seen somebody else do. They are great imitators. And if you and I are people whose lives are characterized by humdudgeons, the chances are very good that our children are going to follow that example. Well, maybe you're thinking, I've got plenty of reason to be miserable today. And if you knew my situation, Elizabeth Elliot, it's all very well for you to talk. You're sitting in a nifty radio studio sounding very smooth and self-assured, but you're not where I am. Well, you're right. I'm not where you are. I am sitting in a very comfortable place. Am I smooth and self-assured? Well, I don't know your situation, and I'm not where you are. But I know the one who knows your situation. I know the one who stands at the door and knocks. And he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Whatever your misery may be, did you know that there is one who stands at the door knocking? He wants to enter in to that situation. He wants to sit down with you and have supper with you. That's what the Bible says. And you with him. Maybe you have spent your time complaining and mumbling and groaning and making loud humdudgeons, forgetting to open the door on which there is a gentle knock. And Jesus never barges in without knocking on the door. He comes in when you open it. Maybe you've forgotten to invite him into this situation and ask him to sit down with you and put things right. He is there. He's seen it all. He knows. He understands. And please don't forget this. Jesus Christ gave his very life's blood to save you not only from your sins, not only from hell itself, but he gave his life's blood to save you from the world's kind of reaction to your troubles. Shouldn't this be one of the most outstanding characteristics of us Christians, that our reactions to troubles, and we have the same kinds of troubles that other people have, Christian or non-Christian, but the distinctive should be that our reactions are so radically different. I read to you yesterday from Paul's letter to the Romans about being full of joy in the midst of trouble, rejoicing under pressure and affliction and hardship. Now, to the world, that is nonsense. To the Christian, it's life and peace. 
Jesus Christ gave his life's blood to save us from the world's kind of reactions. And he has many things to say to you and me through his prophets and apostles in the Bible. And one of my favorite prophets is Habakkuk. Habakkuk has some wonderful things to say. I take some of my instructions as a writer from what Habakkuk says in the early part of his book. I will stand at my post. I will take up my position on the watchtower. I will watch to learn what he will say through me and what I shall reply when I am challenged. As a writer and a speaker, of course, I take very seriously the fact that God may want to say something through me. How will I know what it is? I have to take up my stand, take up my position on the watchtower, and watch to learn what he will say. Watch to learn what he will say through me. And then the very last part of the book of Habakkuk is a ringing praise to God, a song of praise. He talks about some rather frightening things in his book. And in verse 15, he says, When thou dost tread the sea with thy horses, the mighty waters boil. I hear, and my belly quakes. My lips quiver at the sound. Trembling comes over my bones, and my feet totter in their tracks. I sigh for the day of distress to dawn over my assailants. And then verses 17 and 18 and 19, a hymn of praise. Listen to this. Although the fig tree does not burgeon, the vines bear no fruit, the olive crop fails, the orchards yield no food, the fold is bereft of its flock, and there are no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exult in the Lord and rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength, who makes my feet nimble as a hind's and sets me to range the heights. The prophet's hopes have obviously been dashed. Things promised have not happened. Results looked for have failed. There's nothing to eat. The investments have fizzled. The job is lost. Disappointments of all kinds. And what does he say? Yet will I rejoice. Yet will I rejoice. I will joy. Now that should be the characteristic of holy people. That kind of gratitude. No matter whether the fig tree isn't bearing fruit, nor the vines, nor the olive crop, no matter if the orchards are yielding no food and the fold is bereft of its flock and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord and rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. Nothing changes the fact that the Lord God is my strength. Nothing changes the fact that he is the God of my deliverance. In his time, he will deliver me. Maybe right now things look bleak indeed. You see no way out of your situation. No light at the end of the tunnel. But if you start praising him right now, 
you might be surprised at how that light grows brighter. If you affirm your faith that he is the God of your deliverance, that he is your strength, then you have something to be thankful for, don't you? I want to read a letter that reminds me of the prophet Habakkuk himself. She says, In November we had our seventh child. I home-educate three older children. They are ages seven, nine, and ten. At times I feel the strong pressure against large families— environmental irresponsibility, depriving the children, and all such arguments, home education, my lack of career advancement. It is a financial struggle on one income, though my husband is a lawyer. I ache for the struggles of other families. If milk is a luxury in our home, what of those with less? I am not complaining, I hope. I am privileged beyond imagining." How I view my life when I reflect in the Lord. He showers bountiful riches on me. Imagine seven lovely children, personally handcrafted, designed, and thought of by the loving Creator, and sent into my family. A loving, responsible husband, a godly church, and friends are a few of my blessings. That woman is thankful for everything she has. And for those of you who feel that you have a great deal less, start thanking God for what you do have instead of complaining about what you don't have. And I need this lesson myself today. May God help us to be thankers rather than makers of humdudgeons. That was Gateway to Joy 158, humdudgeons. Maybe you can use that word a few times today. Yeah, see if you can squeeze it into a conversation. Now, speaking of conversations, we're going to hear from speaker and artist and friend of Elizabeth, Margaret Ashmore, as she talks about what surprised her most about Elizabeth, and it might surprise you too. Well, I can't help but laugh as I remember this, and it, it was that she loved slapstick movies. I mean, who would have thought? She would roar with laughter when we would watch people getting a pie in the face or when they would slip on a banana peel. I also remember when she was in my home many years ago. Upstairs, I have a loft filled with Beatles memorabilia, and I I have to tell you I was petrified when she entered the room thinking she would cast a very disapproving look my way. Instead, she smiled that enigmatic smile and said, weren't they clever lads? Well, she had a wonderful sense of humor and didn't bristle with my penchant for the Beatles, which I think is just lovely. Margaret Ashmore there talking about her friend Elizabeth. Well, it looks as though our time together has come to an end uh, just about. But before we go, let me thank you for letting us come into your home, your office, your jogging routine, wherever we found you today. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out all the resources at elizabethelliot.org. Lectures, devotionals, videos, Gateway to Joy programs, and more. Hey, and leave a review if you get a chance. Aim the Flame 74 left a note for us. Her note says, Elizabeth's timeless wisdom is so needed for women today. 
She was my radio mentor when my kids were little, so I was excited to discover this podcast and now share it with my grown daughters. Well, thank you very much for taking time to write and, uh, a friend, leave a review if you get a chance. But until next time, may God remind you daily that you're loved with an everlasting love and underneath the everlasting arms. Thank you.